Hello and welcome ladies and gentlemen to a brand new episode of the Denalysis Fantasy Football Podcast. It's our first episode of 2019. We are back. I'm your host Dan and as always I'm joined by Natalie. Say something to the audience Nat. Something to the audience Nat. Ah, I knew you were going to do me like that. Okay, so we've had a nice extended break for the holidays. Now it's time to get stuck back into the real important stuff. Mostly like how bad we suck at FPL, despite our (laughs) greatest efforts. Uh, Today we'll look ahead at January and February to compare the good, the slightly less good and the ugly in strictly FPL terms. Uh, To kick it off, I mean, there were some big winners over the Christmas period, I think particularly in the form of Spurs and Man United players. Uh, Pogba and Son stand out particularly. So much to the point that not owning those two specific players led to a slow and painful demise of our overall ranking positions. Uh, But before we get into it, you can follow us at The Denalysis on Twitter if you want to be social media friends. Let's get well into those two we just mentioned, especially as they play each other at Wembley this weekend. So Man United... when's that Spurs stadium coming? (laughs) <laughs> How about that huh they're hoping we just forget i i guess because oh. i don't know like I, I read a thing about three months ago maybe that was basically saying the whole construction was a shambles and that there's no way they'll be in that stadium by the end of the season whoa they still seem to be operating on the assumption they will move in at some point but i wouldn't be surprised if they still don't Uh, But Man United will be the away team in this game at Wembley and they've been on a great run of form. And I think the last time we spoke about them was probably before all of these goals and points and stuff happened for the likes of Pogba. Even Lukaku getting on on the action recently. Yeah. Um, But yeah, Pogba and Rashford are the two that stand out. And if I remember correctly, we were essentially saying this is a great opportunity to just watch them because they have three like quite easy games and you can assess them in those games. And then everyone just went absolutely mental in that first game against Cardiff. Yeah. And since then it's been... We've been on since Cardiff though, haven't we? Maybe we have, yeah. Yeah, we did the one after Cardiff. Right, okay. And yeah, they've just kept it up really up until... This last fixture, which I'm finding it really hard to remember because we've just had FA Cup weekends. Yeah, and but I who did they just play? Down. I have no idea, Dan. I mean, it doesn't really matter because we're looking forward now, but I-, I think it was... Oh, it's Newcastle, wasn't it? Because Lukaku got that goal from the Dubravka little mess up. I didn't see. I haven't seen a single game. Oh, have you not? <laughs> you, well, you'd be really upset because it was your man Dubravka, Dubravka. like making he a really... It was a really bad error, and it was a, a Rashford assist, and then I think think Rashford got the second goal that no, made I it No, I think two... it was two for Lukaku, wasn't it? No. Oh. No, maybe well, Lukaku we've clearly done our research it. for this episode, so... You're Honestly, I, I've watched this last match of the day so many times, but because we're like a week removed from it, it's so hard to get even vaguely close to committing it to memory. Um, but yeah, this is going to be a tough game. If you've already got these Man United players, which I trust so many people who who like the look of Man United have taken that plunge already. So yeah. much so that Rashford's gone up by like 0.4 million or something. Really? Um, oh, he's 7.2 now. Yeah, yeah. True? He just keeps, he keeps raising, rising. Raising. <laughs> rising hell. <laughs> 7.3, sorry. I apologize. Oh, he's 7.3 now. Okay, so two goals and two assists in the last two games. 
the question is, what happens now that Lukaku is back and in and around the squad? I'd probably be a little bit worried about bringing him in if I'd missed all of his points so far. But if you don't have him already, do you think there's he's still worth going there? I don't know. Uh, it's tough that the 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 small striker position, yeah, like that because here, if you're gonna have like a big like a expensive striker, and then Rashford, then you've probably got to have like a super cheap striker. Like you've got to have a Danny Ings situation going on for your third striker. Yeah, I, I guess the sort of fairly fairly template way of doing it because that's more or less what I've got. I've got a Bamiyang. I've got Jimenez and Arnautovic, but I got Jimenez when he was a lot cheaper. You got Jimenez really cheap, and also Arnautovic isn't as expensive as Rashford. Yeah, he's in the same sort of area, like Mm. 6.9. But that's the sort of makeup you'd be looking at. Or, of course, Kamara is an option there at 4.5 or 4.6 or whatever. Um, I'd be a little bit worried just about his playing time. I mean, it's going to be him... Him or Lukaku or him or Martial, and any of those three could could drop to the bench. But if Sanchez is around that squad as well, they've got for the left hand side and for the striker position, they've got so many options. Um, but I do get the impression that that Solskjaer really likes Rashford and does want to play him and use him a lot. Okay. Pogba, on the other hand, much more nailed, eight point four, which is still. Even though he's risen, like I think he went up really quickly, didn't he? He yeah. was seven point eight, I think, to begin with, and then I don't know, but it wasn't. Yeah, it was something like that. It was. It was either that or seven point nine, and he shot up really, really quickly. Uh, three assists in his his first game under Solskjaer, and then he scored, I think, two goals in the game after that, and he's just been on fire, yeah. with the exception of the Newcastle game. But he still played really well. Uh, the thing with Pogba is. The question has always been, you know, how how attacking is he going to play? But now it just looks like he is full-on attack machine mm-hmm. and the team is built around him. So I really think there's no, there's no question that he's a great option. And if you like the look of Man United, you like the look of their fixtures. After Spurs, they face Brighton at home, Burnley at home. So two back-to-back home games against lower sort of teams. And then Leicester and Fulham both away from home who are both also teams you'd expect Man United to, to comfortably stroll past. Like, he's an obvious option at this point, isn't he? Definitely. And I think if you have Son and you don't have Lukaku... Hmm. No, who are we talking about? Pogba. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you, have, if you have Son and you don't have Pogba, it's such an obvious switch. Yeah. If I can't remember how much Son is, and I didn't write it down because... Yeah, he's about that. I think he went up to 8.8 now. Yeah, so there you go. Like, it's no-brainer that you would make that move. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I guess you'd probably hold on to to Son for this game and then look to move to Pogba after, but you never know. I mean, Man United are looking like a different side all of a sudden. I think this game against Spurs looks all the more exciting because of that. Mm. Um, Elsewhere there, we said this literally like four weeks ago, but... The United defence is still dodgy as hell. Uh, yeah. They did keep a clean sheet against Newcastle, but they weren't amazing. Yeah, but like one clean sheet in like four or five games. Yeah, and they're still too expensive to justify it. I mm-hmm. mean, when you've got fairly cut price uh, opportunities at Liverpool, although we'll come to them a bit later, like 
it just doesn't seem worth it. Uh, but elsewhere, I mean, Martial and Lingard are two players that I particularly was looking at Lingard uh, when we first heard the news yeah, about same. Solskjaer. And because Lingard is a little bit cheaper, I think he's only in the sort of 6.4 or 6.6 range or something really ridiculously cheap. And I thought, yeah, he's going to play a bit higher up the pitch, a bit more attacking, but hasn't been a, a sort of big feature in that team. Although he did get, I think, 15 points in either the first or second week. But yeah, he doesn't seem as permanent a fixture. Pogba is the safest one. And 8.4 is not a ridiculous price. Uh, Lukaku, I wouldn't go near, though, just because of that price. And Martial, I don't think the difference between him and Pogba is is massive in terms of like what Martial could get on a good day compared to what Pogba could get. So you're just wasting your time going after him, I think. And their opponent's Spurs. They do have a really nice run, but... The problem is essentially that Son is going to be going away after this weekend. And Mm -hmm. when that happens, there is no one who is at a reasonable price in the Spurs team that fits into most people's team structures without losing a a proper premium player. Like, you'd have to get rid of someone like a a Hazard. Okay, maybe if I had Hazard, I'd look at... Do you think about getting Ali in? Or Ericsson, I guess. Probably Ericsson, because he's the one with the form, isn't he? Mm. Ali obviously hasn't been doing it so much this season. He's Uh, been injured a lot, though, hasn't he, Ali? Exactly, yeah. He hasn't really looked like the Ali of former seasons, but... Okay, so it's a 0.4 difference. Ali is 8.9, Ericsson is 9.3. You'd always go for for Ericsson on current form, but I just don't know if they're... Like, how is Son leaving going to affect their attack as well? We don't really know that yet because they've they've looked really amazing over this Christmas period. Son has basically be get, been getting double-figure returns every game. And you have to think that his participation in, in those games has been a big factor, um, especially if you consider how, how they've played out. Like, it's it's almost every, every time he gets the ball, it ends up in the back of the net. And... Uh, I checked this earlier, actually. I checked the stats for Spurs, and they're overperforming their XG for the last eight games by 11 goals. That's quite Which impressive. is ridiculous. For context, the, uh, context, the second best team over this last mm-hmm. uh, eight games is Man United, who are overperforming by six goals. So Spurs have scored 23 from 12-ish XG, and that's just freaking ridiculous. I do worry without Son they'll drop off a bit because he is really their one and only like proper pace threat. I know that Lucas uh, Lucas Mora is a fast player as well, but I don't think he's anywhere near as direct as Son is. He he doesn't he doesn't seem to pick up the ball and just run at people. He's a bit more sort of slows the game down despite having having pace himself. Is there anyone that that you would consider or do you think it's a bit too too much of a waste of money or or do you think do you think there's a player that would be a natural sort of uh, transition? Like like I said, from Hazard to Ericsson, is that a good move? I don't know. Seems risky to me. Um, I guess we can't ignore Kane. Um, but I feel like most people at this point would be happy with whoever their main striker is. I don't know. Yeah. Like, and obviously Aguero's back as well. Um and he's been doing goals. So, I don't know. It's a bit weird, isn't it? 
like if you don't have Kane currently, I don't know why you'd be getting him in. Like other than the fact yeah, that fixtures are I, good, I, but like why would you be getting rid of whoever you do have? Exactly. If you have Aubameyang, you're going to be happy with his performances. If you have Kane, you're going to be happy with his performances. If you've just got Aguero in, he's just scored against um against Liverpool and looks to be looking good again. So it's it's hard to say that you know if you like Kane, if Kane was your pick, you've already gone for him, haven't mm. you? You've you've committed to that. I I think there's little between them the one thing that does stand out is the fact that Spurs have been so drastically out outperforming their xG and I think you mentioned this in a previous podcast that last year around Christmas Kane just went crazy yeah because he wants to get all those awards or what like fake awards or whatever it is it just seems like a a trend for Spurs like they seem to liven up a lot around Christmas time which is kind of counter to what what most teams in that sort of area of the table do over Christmas because yeah. you tend to see you tend to see some crazy results. Although they did actually lose against Wolves, didn't they? So they did still pick up a loss there, but they just scored so many goals when they were on it that it kind of didn't really matter from a from a fantasy perspective. But yeah, I'm with you there. I think Kane is is the only one that you can look at and be like, he's gonna be a, a damn sure like reliable player for returns. Um, Lucas Mora, I know he's cheap. He's at six point nine, so maybe if he's playing games, you could look at him. And I, I imagine it'll be it'll be Ali Lamella and Lucas Mora will be sort of rotating for those positions. Yeah, but it's like, and how long do you wait to see if Mora is playing, is starting? Yeah, and then by it, the time you've waited to see if he's starting, these good fixtures are halfway through. Yeah, and then by the time you've got him in. Son's going to be on his way back. Yeah, no, you're right. And it's one of those where it's actually, it's pointless. It's pointless going for this because there are other options in the cheaper sort of like 6 million to 7 million range that you can go to before they hit form and you know they're going to play games. Whereas Lucas Mora, it's like you'd be taking a punt on someone who's actually quite expensive if they don't have a a starting place in the squad. Mm. You'd be taking a really unnecessary risk. Like I said earlier, we don't know how Son is going to affect them um, or Son's lack of being there. So Liverpool also have a very, very nice run of fixtures all the way pretty much to the end of the season. I think they play two of the top six or, or three of the top six for the rest of their What, have they played them all the already? They played most of them. I think they have two at home. If they face... Man United away from home in game week 27. Other than that, they have Spurs and Chelsea both at home in weeks 32 and 34. So that's it for the rest of their top six games. Aside from that, it's basically a bunch of teams from the lower half of the table. It's basically, it's a really, really nice run of fixtures considering they are currently the best team in the league. Um despite what, what Man City have to say about it. But obviously we, we all have Salah at this point. If you like him, he's up to 13.3 now. He's a legend. I don't think we really need to to speak about him too much. Crucial, maybe. I I mean, I think he is. I think he's going to score crazy amounts of goals over, up until the end of the season. Your feelings on him? Yeah, I think if you don't have him, you need to make some moves to get him in. Hmm. at this point 
Yeah, and I I suspect that a lot of people were kind of looking at the likes of let's get Sterling and let's get Hazard to cover his points, mm-hmm. so to speak. But I don't know if that's really been working dramatically well. And if we think about last season, it was really this second half of the season when Salah really came into his own because he was performing well at the start of the season. But by the end of it, he was just getting ridiculous returns every game. It was a almost a double-figure return every game. So I think if he follows that pattern, yeah, absolutely crucial. Uh, he looks really good on the eye as well, which is is something that stands out. And Firmino, who In for has come Mino. out of nowhere. <laughs> That's what he is, yeah. I I just can't see... I can't see a way... Firmino! ...that the Firmino <laughs> fits in, because he's just like... He's that awkward Lacazette price of being too like not a premium and yeah. not a cheapie and I don't know if that's purely psychological but the thing that I've always thought about Firmino is he does show up in big games and he he is often the guy who scores against Arsenal and he did of course score a hat-trick against yeah. Arsenal I do wonder over the over the course of the season I think this has got to be something where he's on his streak it will disappear again soon but maybe it is, as you say, in Formino. Maybe it's time to get him now and just ride out that form while it lasts. Yeah. Um, 9.2. Yeah. Not bad. I also have flagged him as a Vardy replacement. Leicester's fixtures turn something horrific in two or three game in two game weeks time. So if you do, for whatever reason, have Vardy, uh, a move to Firmino isn't that tricky. Um, they are similarly priced and that's an option that you have yeah and I guess if you're also like I don't think this is a particularly popular strategy but I know some people have been using this Mark Southern stands out and and has been particularly successful this year in just having three cheaper strikers Mm. so if you are running that sort of formation like Firmino would be quite easy to get in I think because you could you could end up downgrading like a sort of eight, nine million midfielder to a good seven million option and, and free up some money for a guy like Firmino. Um, especially if you have someone like Wilson, who is also coming into a run of, of fairly tricky fixtures. Uh, but yeah, he's been he's been brilliant. And the other guy you've written down is Alexander-Arnold, who I think, yeah, he's insanely good value, isn't he? Mm. Considering all the injuries that Liverpool have as well. Yeah, for sure. The only other thing I would say is there's a few... So there's a, a defensive problem at the moment. This has caused a problem for me. Uh, Lovren came off injured in the first five minutes of the game against Wolves. I didn't realise and... it was that soon. I didn't yeah, he, it was that quick. he didn't even run. The, I like, saw a thing from Jamie Armitage that's, uh, who doesn't know that we do a podcast, Rude. Yeah. Um, that was like, Lovren has never been fit for more than six games at a time. Is this a real stat? Or I don't is he know. just like making shit but up? But I quite liked it. <laughs> I quite liked it for like the bants. Yeah. It's created a little bit of a problem for me because I wanted to make one transfer this week and I didn't want it to be my Liverpool defender that I got in so I could double up for like every game for the next 10 games or whatever. I mean, obviously I was going to have to get rid of Lovren at some point because mm. I think Gomez is coming back in. But it's an easy swap for me to do Lovren to Gomez. Yeah. Uh, you can't do Lovren to Alexander-Arnold. I am like 0.1 short. Oh. And also, I don't really want 
to do that transfer this week because I want I want to transfer someone else who I actually want out of my team. Moving on, they're at the opposite end of the table, but they are looking quite decent and uh, play with a similar sort of pressing style to, to what Liverpool were maybe renowned for. Uh, it's Southampton and... These are the guys that I'm looking at this week for my transfer because they they have some really great value options. The question is, particularly with guys like Redmond, is this just going to be another flash in the pan? Oh, he looks good. He's got a few goals at the start of the season and he's just going to fall off a cliff all of a sudden. I'm kind of a little bit unsure, but I like what I've been seeing from them and their result against Chelsea, of course, the the nil-nil, I think was their first clean sheet under Hasenhutl. Very impressive performance from Angus Gunn. Only 4.2. The question is, is he a starter? Yeah, why did he start that game? Pardon? Why did he start that game? Well, McCarthy was on the bench, so I assume because they hadn't kept a clean sheet in a while and he was like, (laughs) well, we've got this young kid who we signed in the summer. Let's give him a game and see how he does. And it worked out. It worked out quite fantastically. They kept a, a clean sheet against one of the better teams in the league. 4.2 4.2 is an amazing price for a goalkeeper who's a starter. He did concede two against Derby, though. He did, but as far as I understand it, that was quite a heavily rotated team. Um, although Redmond did pick up two goals in that, didn't he? Uh, yes. Yes, he did. I I don't know. I didn't watch it. To be honest, Like the FA Cup stuff, I was going to say this at the start of the, the podcast, but I forgot. I just wouldn't pay too much attention to it because it's it's a completely different competition. Like, the results are crazy. I don't think anything that happens in there is necessarily indicative of what might happen in the Premier League. Oh, I'm up I on money, say... by the way, from the FA Cup. I ended up, up maybe three, four pounds. Oh, you legend. Thank you. That's a, a strong you. performance. It's and I would have bet on Wolves yesterday, but I completely forgot it was happening until they'd already <laughs> scored. And I thought, well, I can't do it now. Oh. I was so Were you out yesterday? Yeah, I went for dinner. It was such a bad match. You made the right choice. Like, really, really bad. Uh, but yeah, Angus Gunn, he's the guy I'm looking at maybe this week. And and Redmond is the other one on my list. So... It's risky if you get Gunn in, though, and he doesn't start, though, isn't it? Yeah, but I do have a, a starting goalkeeper. Basically, I, I have Matt Ryan and Fabianski. And I don't really want to play Fabianski against Arsenal because I feel like it's going to be a, a goals-conceded fest. So... I was thinking Southampton, they're playing Leicester away from home. Leicester are the kind of team that, firstly, they have like old-ass centre-backs who are slow as fuck. So maybe if, if uh, Southampton have got their pressing game on, they'll be giving the ball up like deep in their, their own half and conceding a few goals. But that that's kind of what makes me think Redmond is a good option at 5.2. And yeah. he seems to be the main man for... That is cheap as well, isn't it, to be fair? It's really cheap. Considering I've got Torreira at the moment, who I I do still think there's there's hope for Torreira. I think I just got him at the wrong time because he started off looking amazing and he was you know getting forward a lot. He did, I think he got back to back returns of like upwards of like eight nine points, and then since then he's just been uh, I think just overworked and seems really really tired all of a sudden. So. I'm a little bit worried about him from an Arsenal perspective and I'm just glad that Arsenal have had a week off to to sort of recover. Um, But I am looking at Redmond at 5.2 and considering he's a massive differential, I think he's picked by 0.9% of teams at the moment. No one is is going to Redmond because 
seems crazy. Like you suggest going to Redmond, it seems crazy. But I do think one of the things I, I look at a lot in FPL is the change of manager. And the fact that Hasenhutl is one of these sort of front foot minded attacking managers who likes to to get his team to run around a lot and, and work hard. I think that's something that you might see the benefits of with guys like Redmond who are very fit and very fast and athletic and get in the positions to score. So he's kind of the standout to me. Also, you put down Ings here at 5.6. Well, I haven't put Ings down as like an option. I've put Ings yeah. down as a pain in the arse. Um, <laughs> the problem is, is that he is quite cheap at 5.6. And that there are definitely no other Southampton strikers worth buying. Because I think they're all more ex- either the same price or a little bit more expensive. Yeah, but, I want to keep an eye on Obafemi because well, he's yeah. out injured at the moment. But I kind of feel like he's the one where you could see some value. Mm. But I, we don't know if he's going to start regularly. I don't know if they're going to play like two up front. Yeah. It looks like it's just going to be Ings for now. Or yeah. Ings or Austin. Yeah. Um, but the fact that Ings is constantly injured is quite annoying. Hmm. Um, I think right now... I'd switch him out if I had nothing else to do. Yeah. Like, at least for a few weeks. And yeah, you'll miss that surprise game where suddenly he's back and he's scored 50 <laughs> goals in three minutes. Um, but I think you're probably better off. He's certainly a risk weeks. to bring in, isn't he? Like, you wouldn't bring oh, yeah, him in. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't bring him in now. But if but you already have obviously him. Obviously, a lot of people mm. brought him in very recently. Um, yeah. So... Like he's this is the thing he's fine to just keep third on your bench not doing anything for two yeah. three weeks like it's not a big deal, but in at the same time, you might as well have someone who's actually doing something. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the the one thing I would say in particular about Southampton, um, in favour of guys like Gunn and uh, well actually just any defender for Southampton is that their run-in for the next five games is very palatable. They have Leicester away next that we already spoke about, and it's two home games back-to-back, Everton and Crystal Palace. Uh, Then it's away at Burnley and then home to Cardiff. Those are all games where I can definitely see, like if if Gunn's playing, if they're sort of getting to grips with with Hasenhutl's system, I can see them keeping at least sort of two or three clean sheets in there. And... Yeah, I really, really like the look of them at the moment, just because uh, their performances seem to be really good. Uh, moving on, we have Watford. Yeah, I don't who... have any notes for Watford, but they are just sitting here. Well, Watford, there's there's one thing you got to do with Watford, and it's get a midfielder and just be done with it. They have a really, really nice run of fixtures. I I also don't think it's... I don't think there's a problem ignoring Watford, because they are ridiculously unpredictable. Yeah. But their next... Eight are very very good, with the exception of a few games. So they have um, they have Crystal Palace and Burnley for their next two. Obviously, Palace have looked quite good defensively in recent weeks, but on the contrary, I think Watford are very good in attack. Uh, I'm playing Burnley... both Juan Bissaka and Elfeo. Yeah, I think I'm possibly gonna have to do that. Partic- well, I will have to do that if Lovren doesn't play because I'm not. I'm not bothering with that transfer. It just seems too too ridiculous. Uh, after that, they play Spurs, which is, you know, not an ideal fixture, but Spurs have shown that when they come up against teams who can attack, they will concede quite happily. 
then it's Brighton, Everton and Cardiff. All quite winnable fixtures for a team like Watford. Then they face Liverpool away, which is obviously a tough one. And then it's Leicester at home. And I just think that's a run of teams who are maybe at a similar level or slightly below Watford, who they could really rack up the goals against. And I kind of hope they do that. Uh, currently, I, I have Pereira, but I think you have De La Feu, right? Mm-hmm. And Dini was really the standout performer for this uh, this week just gone. I saw someone in one of my mini leagues brought him in literally for that week. And I was like checking all, all the other people's teams like before the week started. When I saw he had Dini, I was like, what? D- does this guy like know, know something, something that, that I don't know? know? Yeah. Yeah. And sure as hell, he came came up with two goals. And I was quite happy because I'd brought in Kiko Femenya. And they were Kiko, two new up. do you love me? They were two new up at about, I think, 20 minutes in. And I was like, well, this is great. They can just hold on to this lead now. They don't really need to do much. And then they conceded two goals in like three minutes or something against Bournemouth. So wasn't the ideal situation for me. But yeah, I think the, the thing that's interesting about Watford, or perhaps not interesting, but frustrating, is they do share the points around a lot. Mm. And it's never the same scorers week to week yeah uh, i think you the the situation you have here is they have a good run and it's a case of picking one of them picking the one you think will score the most points over a period of time rather than like oh who's gonna score this week who's gonna score next week i think it's just whichever one takes your fancy i think decore is 5.9 he is primarily a defensive midfielder but he is also an assist and goal king somehow mm-hmm. so tall. and obviously is his price is is decent um Pereira is probably the most obvious sort of like attacking midfielder type but he is a strange one because he'll he'll have an amazing game and then he'll be barely barely visible you can't really tell like which which one you're going to get uh De La Feu, on the other hand I think he's 5.4 ish and he's always a player that's exciting to watch but frustrating because you don't know if he's if he's going to have one of those days where he just runs the ball into blind alleys constantly I think all three of those are good options to have I think Dini if you didn't have him for this week just gone I probably wouldn't go for him because I feel like he's had his moment and it's it's got to be revert to type now because he if you look at his last like eight games I think he missed a few but it's basically a stream of twos and ones and you don't really want that and Dini isn't He's never really a super clinical player. I mean, I think he had two good moments in this game. But for me, it's those midfielders where they can get a few extra points for goals. And they're probably a little bit more key to the team than Dini is these days. Uh, Okay, and Man City are another team who are very, very good at scoring goals. In fact, one of the best. These are the guys that have all of a sudden out of nowhere sort of become differentials. And... You know, a big part of the reason why I've done absolutely shit over Christmas. Having Sterling right now seems like a very, very good thing to me. And I'm almost getting the, the temptation to captain him. Uh, obviously, they played the the Monday game against Wolves and it's at home. I think they struggled against them earlier in the season. But it is, you know, three, four months on from then now. And City look to be getting back to their best, obviously, with a win against Liverpool being testament to that. What are your feelings on on City and how vital it is to have a City player right now? I think 
if you currently have a City player in your team, it's definitely worth sticking with them through Wolves at home, Huddersfield away and Newcastle away. Absolutely. Like, it, it would be absolutely ridiculous to get rid of whoever you have before those three fixtures are up. Yeah. Um, But then they after that, to be fair, both games are at home, but they do play Arsenal and Chelsea. Hmm. And cons- uh, based on how your players do over the next three game weeks, you can definitely think about reassessing by the time it comes to the Arsenal game. Yeah. Um, I'd also be tempted to hold off on any transfers in midfield currently with the return of Kevin De Bruyne uh, I, I just don't want to get involved I don't want to get involved in the rotation <laughs> uh, unless you do unless you absolutely love having a player in your team who doesn't start then you know go for it but yeah I went back to David Silva a couple of weeks ago and I was hoping KDB would be, be out a little bit longer but no he's back Oh, yeah, I have. And it really throws me off. I find it genuinely hard to pick out which player he is now. But yeah, I I brought him back in. And I'm not too worried, to be honest. I think City tend to play their best football when David Silva is in the team. Uh, And yeah, I also have Sterling, who is eating up a lot of my budget. But I feel like I've gone through the worst of times. Like City had that little wobble over Christmas. But yeah, I, I think like at this point, the fact that City are becoming differentials is a dangerous prospect, really, because I think people have started to look at them as, oh, like, you don't need a City player. And this is a very good opportunity, especially if people, if you're trying to win a mini league and mm. other people don't have any, like, this is a really good time to look at getting them in. And I would say about the Arsenal one, reassess is definitely the right word because Arsenal's defence at the moment looks very, very poor. And there's two things to look at there. Like, firstly, it's at the Etihad, so it's a home game for, for City. But also, if Arsenal are still defending like like they are, that you've got a very, very good captainable option in, in City there because we all know how well they can attack when they're on form. Um, Aguero is the other player who's just crept back into our thinking at 11.2. Personally, I think he looks really good, but... When you've got Aubameyang being clearly crucial to Arsenal and Kane with this great run of fixtures, and even Firmino, you have to question whether Aguero, unless he's potentially got to be your only City player, I do wonder if there's wisdom in that. Yeah, I think... Yeah, I think that's the only way I'd get Aguero back is if I was going to get rid of Sterling I would want someone so I'd get Aguero instead but it's not a move that I'm looking to make that's a a good way of putting it actually it's you just need one I think you don't necessarily need to I mean I've gone for the double up but I think you at least need one City attacker because especially with Huddersfield in their Huddersfield and Newcastle back to back both away from home but those coincide with the good fixtures that United have. Um, I think it's Brighton at home and Burnley at home for United. And I wonder, I, I was looking at, you know, potentially bringing United players in, Pogba in particular, and game week 23 would be the week I, I do it. But then I look at City having Huddersfield and I'm like, do I really want to get rid of David Silva or Sterling when they play Huddersfield? Because I don't think I do. And 
with everyone sort of going headfirst into the the United players, it does seem like a very very good opportunity to just get one over on those guys when mm. everyone's looking at the past and and what's happened in the last few weeks. I don't know. It might not play out that way, but I think Brighton are also a team that I look at and I think they can definitely defend deep and and keep out a a strong United attack. Yeah. I don't expect that even if it is a Old Trafford to be a a pasting. So. Yeah, I do think Huddersfield presents an interesting opportunity for them, for sure. Uh, we'll move on to some teams that are maybe you should approach with a little bit of caution, but they do have fairly good runs of fixtures. Uh, Everton are the first one who have been absolutely awful in recent weeks. I, I don't understand. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with Everton. Yeah, I don't get it. This run of fixtures that they have is so good, but I don't know what I'm supposed to do with it. <laughs> I personally think you just got to ignore it and be like, screw Everton, they suck. Because that's kind of what I've been seeing in recent weeks. Like, I, I watched the highlights earlier, actually, for the game. Who did they play? Um, Leicester. God, I... Yeah, Leicester. Uh, the 1-0 win. Yeah. And, yeah, Everton were just so uninspired. Like, they concede mm. almost every game. They're playing a bunch of teams who are mostly performing quite well at the moment. I mean, in the attacking sense. So Bournemouth up next, yeah, they can't defend. So that presents a, an opportunity there, but they are scoring goals. Same for Southampton. Huddersfield is perhaps the only one that seems a, an obvious opportunity, but I kind of feel like the only justification for going for an Everton asset right now is if you already have them. Yeah. Uh, like Richarlison, I probably, if you survived with him this long, I'd probably stick with him. Because, like, you got through the worst. I, yeah. I don't see it getting any worse from here. I do expect him to pick up some goals along the way. But, yeah, I don't know if I'd be looking to get him in. Uh, purely because there are just there are other options as well who, who just look better. Um, but, yeah, I'm particularly worried about their defence. I mean, we spoke about Luca Dean weeks ago. And that was the reason I didn't... I didn't entertain the thought of getting him in. And then he went on a mad goal-scoring spree. Um, but I do I do wonder if if that's going to present uh, represent value over the course of the rest of the season because we do need Everton to keep clean sheets for that to be of value to you. And yeah. I can't really... I can't really see him getting too many assists because their attack doesn't look that clinical. Like, they don't seem to finish their chances that often. Yeah, essentially, I'm looking at getting rid of him and getting Alexander Arnold in. Yeah, oh that that. And I've a... had him for two weeks, and already yeah. I'm bored. <laughs> I mean, and I do I already hate have that, Robertson, but... and I refuse to double up on defence. Yeah. Not anymore, not anymore, ladies. It's worth it for Liverpool, especially like when you look at the run they have. When you look at how strong they've been defensively, it's just it's the easiest thing to do. But yeah, personally, I'd be very concerned. But like I say, if you have if you have held on to Richarlison, firstly, I applaud you for doing that. But also, <laughs> I would say, I would definitely say hold on to him for the Bournemouth game. It, and there is something to be said for holding on to your, your players, especially the ones who are talented players who, who do better in the long run. I think this is often a trap we fall into with the likes of um, the Pogba thing and like, oh, we need to get rid of our Sterlings and our, our good players to get in Pogba. And it did work out so far but you don't know like when that's gonna come back to bite you um 
Arsenal, basically, they have one option. It's always been this way. It's Aubameyang. Uh, he's up to 11.4 now. I mean, there's got to be no question marks about this guy by now, right? Like, he just keeps scoring. I think the best thing about him is when you watch the games, you see that he gets so many chances and he seems to be getting 90 minutes every every week mm-hmm. under Emery now, which was probably the biggest black mark against him earlier in the season. I don't, I don't think there's any justification for letting him go. Like, even if you look at the fixtures... We play West Ham next. Yeah, they're they're rubbish at defending, um, especially with. I, th- I think if Balbuena is going to be out for this weekend as well, I think that makes him a really enticing captain option. Uh, Chelsea at home after that, so we created plenty of chances against Chelsea earlier in the season. Aubameyang himself missed, I think, two or three sitters in that game, and and could have easily walked away with at least two goals. Then it's Cardiff at home, then it's Man City away, which, yeah, it's a tough game, but Man City haven't kept a clean sheet in eight, I think. And you just have to think that any game you go into, I think you have to expect him to at least get a few chances. And that's kind of my my feelings on him. I mean, Mm -hmm. do you think there's any wisdom in getting rid of him for for someone else? No, like Aguero is the only one I'd go to price-wise. Yeah. But still... Aubameyang seems like a safer option. Yeah. And realistically, like going from Aubameyang to Aguero as a sort of differential, that just like absolutely reeks of overthinking it and and trying to Mm. be too clever. Aubameyang is current top scorer. I think he's either tied with Salah or or maybe it's Kane, actually. Um, I think it's Kane. Yeah. But I think there's a very strong chance that come the end of the season, he will be the top scorer and you have to stick with that. Yeah. Uh, Kolasinac is a vaguely interesting option, but not for clean sheets. And I think there's a danger of getting into that Luca Dean territory here. Yeah, definitely. The one thing I would say is Arsenal compared to Everton, their style of attack is a lot more focused on the wings and using the wing backs. And when... I think that's always what made Bellerin such an appealing option to me. Right. I think Kolasinac is kind of the same thing. Like, he is kind of quite key to creating chances for us. So I think the likelihood of him getting assists is a lot higher than mm-hmm. someone like Luca Dean. But 4.9 is maybe when you could get... I know that Lovren's injured but now, but like someone, you know, in that sort of price range or like you say, Trent Alexander-Arnold for 5.2... I just don't think it's worth spending that much when you could have a Liverpool defender instead. Mm-hmm. Chelsea have looked a little bit sort of up and down lately. Uh, obviously, drew against Southampton, and I think the thing that stood out the most to me about this was they didn't seem to create the chances, and that makes Hazard, who is at eleven point one, a little bit of a worry. Yeah. Also blanked in three of his last four. It's not great. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, who do they play next? Newcastle at home. Newcastle at home. So I... But they are playing tonight, aren't they, in the old... Uh... Yeah, I don't know what the score is. Caribou. They're playing Spurs at the moment. And Hudson-Odoi was in the starting lineup tonight. So it'll be interesting. It's currently... 1-0. And it was a Harry Kane penalty. Oh, of course it was. Of well, course damn. it was. Absolutely nobody is shocked. <laughs> Well, yeah, I kind of, I look back to what I just said about 
your premium players, like it's often a good idea to hold on to them because even if they have a few blanks, and I think Hazard has previous for this, he is the guy that you can get in for a run of three, four, five games and he does nothing. And then when you get rid of him, he goes absolutely mental. But it's not like we have a dearth of options in midfield and a dearth of consistent options. Um, Sterling and Sane look to be getting back into it. And they're, I think Sterling is essentially, I think he's like 0.3 more expensive. Maybe only 0.2 now because he's been dropping recently. And I just look at, I think what I look at is always how good is the attack and then sort of how good are the fixtures. And I, I would be saying get rid. What What are your thoughts on Hazard? Is he, is he really um, worth think, holding on to? I think I'd hold on for the Newcastle game. Maybe, hmm. but I definitely, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't want him in my team for them playing Man City away. Yeah, that's that's not for me. Yeah, I mean, after Newcastle, it's Arsenal away, Bournemouth away, Huddersfield at home. Those are all three teams that that do concede goals. So I guess you could say they struggled against Southampton. They didn't really create chances. Uh, Newcastle are another team that you expect they'll have this sort of like low block and they'll just try to counter so it may be hard for them to create chances Arsenal yeah they look a lot more suspect defensively and the same for Bournemouth and Huddersfield so that should maybe factor into your thinking but for me it's like who do I think has the ability to score four or five goals in a game I don't think Chelsea do I think City do and Mm. I think even Man United do and that's kind of what worries me about Chelsea at the moment. I just don't think they... They don't look particularly good at any one aspect of the game. And I know they they looked really promising at the earlier part of the season. But, yeah, I don't know. Side note, hudson Adoy. I did see a little post on Reddit of someone saying that they brought him in recently on a wild card, uh, hoping that he'll start. And I just I shook my head in a kind of <laughs> sadness that I've never felt before. Yeah. Obviously, I had him for the majority of the season and eventually got rid of him for, I think it was David Brooks in the end, or maybe Torreira. And Brooks worked out really well for me, actually. I don't know why I got rid of him, to be honest. But yeah, hudson Adoy, I I hope he does because he's looked really good every time I've seen him, but he just doesn't seem to be in favour for some reason. And I I don't think until we actually see him start a Premier League game... I don't think it's worth punting on that at all. Well, who else do we have? West Ham, the lovely West Ham. They, well, I, I got Arnautovic in. He's a, a good guy. Good buy at 6.9. And uh, West... you don't reckon he's injured also? No. So I saw I saw the highlights of this and I also saw after the game, Pellegrini was basically just, well, Arnautovic threw a massive strop because he... I guess, didn't feel he was injured and he just stormed off down the tunnel. He was sort of like waving his arms at the medical team, being like, what, what's going on? Yeah, Pellegrini after the match said that he took him off because he'd complained of back pain and he just didn't want to take a risk with him. So if anything, it kind of sounds more encouraging that he didn't want to take a risk, so he took him off after 20 minutes and Arnautovic himself wasn't actually physically needing to come off. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know what the the deal was with that because it seems very weird. Like, yeah, why start him in the first it, place? Yeah, and he he just scored and he looked he looked really good in the 
the game against Brighton. I guess the question with Arnautovic is, it's it's a sort of swap for Felipe Anderson, isn't it? Yeah. But in a different position. And this is kind of the thing, like earlier in the season, I always went for Arnautovic over Felipe Anderson because I thought he's a better option at striker than what we're going to get uh, in midfield compared to Felipe Anderson. But I do think both of those being in the team positively affects each other. So I think... Really? Yeah, I think Arnautovic being in the team means Felipe Anderson is a lot more likely to get goals and assists because okay. he's playing with a better player. But he uh, hasn't for the last two weeks when Arnautovic has been on. Yeah, uh, but they didn't score any in the first the first game, so it didn't help Arnautovic. Uh, I mean, Arnautovic didn't score either. I think it's just one of those things where Arnautovic is going to be the main man, but I wouldn't be so desperate to get rid of Felipe Anderson it's only, for me, one of those situations where if you feel like there's someone better in midfield or you can maybe downgrade in midfield, Arnautovic is one of the few sort of good mid-price forward options because there's not many, are there? There's basically, I guess, Jimenez is one of them. Yeah. Uh, Wilson. Yeah. Who else is there? I genuinely can't think of any off the top of my head. Yeah, there aren't any. I think that's it. I think that's <laughs> Yeah, so that's kind of the, the interesting thing about Arnautovic is he offers something that you can't get elsewhere. Um, and uh, I think that's what makes him so good. And he did look really, really good against Brighton. Yeah, as I said, I brought him in two weeks ago. Looks really strong. Probably worth getting, for sure. Mm. Um, I, I would like to apologise for my faith in Diop. It seems to have drastically backfired at this point. I mean, West Ham do still have a run of good fixtures, but every time I see them playing with Vugbona, I just think there's they're absolutely guaranteed to score a goal. I don't know if, like, Balbrena is the guy that does all of the defensive work for them or something, <laughs> but they just look so weirdly open when when those two are playing, when Vugbona uh, and Diop are playing together. It's, it's very strange. Maybe they just don't like each other. Maybe that's it. I don't know, but it's it's not looked good for them, and it's been affecting Fabianski as well, which I don't appreciate. <laughs> uh, elsewhere, we have Bournemouth and Wolves and Leicester, and these are all teams who I think are in a, a similar sort of position of having good fixtures, sort of, but not I've got really standout okay options. Fixtures. Yeah. Okay fixtures, but, like, they're quite hard to predict. I mean, with Bournemouth, we've spoken about it a million times. It's just, it's all about the attackers. Like, you don't mm. want to go near the defence. Fraser returned big last week, I think 12 points. Really? He is only 6.1. Um, but I think a lot of people have vacated the uh, the Fraser bandwagon by now. So, yeah, I think Everton away, which is their next fixture, is a, a really, really good fixture for them and then West Ham at home after that so that's two go games they can definitely score in but the problem I have with Bournemouth is after that it kind of gets real ugly for them all the way up until about game week 30 uh, they, fa they face from game week 26 is Liverpool away, Wolves at home Arsenal away and Man City at home mm. and even, even before that they face Chelsea in game week 24 uh yeah it it looks like a bad time to have Bournemouth yeah. assets because you can't I think can't... if you've 
Go if on. you've kept sorry, if you've kept them like up until now, you might as well keep until mm. the up till the Liverpool game. Because mm. why not? But yeah, I think if you don't have anyone or you've recent you got rid like before Christmas or whatever, yeah. it's worth steering clear of until later on in the season. Yeah. Yeah, and I think what we're seeing is Fraser is continuing to be the biggest like the focal point of that team. Mm. Like his chance creation, I think he's got the the most big chances created in the league and that's probably the only place you should be looking right now. As we said, uh, Callum Wilson is another guy who stood out this season, but considering Arnautovic is 6.9 and has slightly better fixtures, I think it's probably worth looking at him at this point. David Brooks is the only other one. I would say he's still really, really cheap at 5.1. You can't really complain having a guy that cheap with that attacking threat in your team. No, definitely not. Wolves, on the other hand, I think they have a few tricky fixtures in their their next, um, their next sort of, Three, I guess. I mean, they face Man City next, so that's that's the one where you're like, yeah, they'll probably lose, especially as it's away from home. But I did hear the other day that Wolves actually have a better defensive record away from home, which is a that's an interesting. interesting little tidbit. But I don't expect them to keep a clean sheet against Man City, regardless. Uh, Jimenez has been an amazing option. I mean, uh, I think I got him week three, and I only got him to and facilitate. And you reluctantly got him as well. You yeah. didn't even want him. I got him to facilitate bringing Hazard in and it's been probably the best transfer move I've made all season because I had yeah. him at 5.5. Now he's worth like a whole million more than that. So yeah, he he is a great one to have there just ticking over. I do think I would be a little bit reluctant to go for him if I hadn't owned him, you know, pre going up to 6 million. Because I don't I, know. I don't know if... If he's gonna offer the same sort of value, but yeah, I don't know. It's maybe still because quite they do have cheap. yeah. It, again, it's one of those where there are no other options really. It's mm. it's either Jimenez or you're looking at Ings or or someone like that. So yeah, you're probably right there. They uh, they face Leicester the week after City and then West Ham. These games are both at home, but after that is where I really like the look of things. Where they've got Everton, Newcastle, Bournemouth, Huddersfield, and Cardiff. And they're all sort of, well, Everton we know are just open as hell defensively and love to play an attacking style of football, which is going to suit a team like Wolves, who love to play on the counter-attack. Uh, Newcastle just are a fairly low-quality team. Bournemouth as well, a team that love to attack, which should open the door for, for lots of Wolves counter-attacks. I guess the only thing is, like, they do tend to struggle to score goals in those those sort of games against the lesser teams yeah. unless they are like I say with Everton and, and Bournemouth like really coming onto them and trying to try and score against them but I think if you if you don't have a Wolves defender like I think most people have Doherty by, by this point but if you don't around about game week 25 could be a good time to look at them just because they have lots of teams who they should be able to keep clean sheet, sheets against and that's their run of like really quite decent fixtures mm. uh, but yeah I, I think they have a few good options like Johnny is down to I believe 4.3 and Leicester I don't really know what to say I mean they've been a an enigma all season uh, James Madison I'm glad to see it's kind of going a bit shit for him at the moment he keeps <laughs> missing penalties and I, I couldn't believe like what was the game 
where he took a penalty and they like lost it was against Cardiff wasn't it they lost 1-0 um and Madison missed the penalty but it was like mere days after Madison took one of the worst penalties I've ever seen in the Carabao Cup game against um, Man City and you just have to question like why is this guy being allowed to take a penalty after that mess like it, it doesn't make any sense but yeah they I think they have a pretty mixed set of fixtures coming up, they have right? Southampton at home and then Wolves away. And then after that, it's Liverpool away, Man United mm. at home, Spurs away. And that sounds vile. Well, they sound... I wonder if Leicester are a little bit like Wolves in that they can only beat good teams. Because well, maybe. they did they beat, beat Chelsea, Chelsea and... and Man City back-to-back and then lost to Cardiff. Yeah. And I think that, that does yeah. say something about Leicester. And I think they are... You know, we we remember Leicester from their title winning season. They were all about getting one counter attack and Jamie Vardy finishing the chance. Yeah, that's exactly what they did against Everton. He had yeah. one one moment and he scored it. Shall I run through these? Um, so Burnley, we talked about Heaton and Pope a little bit earlier, not on purpose. Um, they're both four point eight currently, which is quite nice. Isn't it nice that Burnley can keep clean sheets again? Um, the problem is that we don't know who's going to start out of the two of them. So if you do want to get one in, it might be worth waiting. But I guess also, I hadn't written this down, but you could think about Burnley defenders again with this, because they're kind of, you know, Mee's always going to play, Tarkovsky is always going to play. Um, so it's an option. But also, don't do it just yet, because Lord knows what could go on. Yeah, but, I'm not quite convinced they've turned their corner, but we'll see. Yeah, it's definitely one to watch. Um, Barnes... I th- so Barnes and Wood have been starting the last few games together. Um, I think Barnes could be quite a good temp replacement for Ings. Um, especially, so Burnley's next two fixtures are Fulham at home and Watford away. And there's no reason why Barnes couldn't get goals in those. Yeah, he's very much a very temporary, I don't need to fix anything else in my team sort of transfer isn't it well I need to fix lots of things on my team I still think I might do Ings to Barnes this week <laughs> uh he's had a goal and assist in the last two Premier League games yeah uh I don't know I just like it just like it as like a super niche option yeah uh, Wood also has started the last two games as just said um with a goal in each of them but he is 6.2 which is I think is a bit too expensive right now yeah. Like I'd need him to be a bit more consistent and make sure that he is definitely starting every game before I jumped in. But Barnes at 5.6, I think, is great. Yeah, I mean, that's the price range you want a Burnley player to be in, for sure. Cool. Uh, Crystal Palace, fairly good form. Two clean sheets in the last three Premier League games and kept a clean sheet in the FA Cup as well, to be fair to them. Uh, and then before those last three games it was the win over Man City so mm. it's been a pretty wild time for the old Crystal Palace yep Selhurst boys <laughs> um but I'm not really sure who's worth buying if you don't already own one Bissaka like I don't really know where you'd go yeah it's really do you want to double up because no yeah you're, you're not getting their midfielders or their attackers that's for sure but I would say well, been I don't know, Jordan Ayew, two goals in his last two games. I'm happy to dismiss that You wait all season one. for a goal and two come along at once. Well, quite. Yeah, I, I think Palace, it's defence that's the, the place to look for them, which is annoying because 
I don't want to believe that they'll keep a clean sheet this week because I want Pereira to score. But yeah, that that's kind of where where it's at. Um, I think Gaeta is a, a decent mm. option in goal because he's down to 4.2 or 4.3 as a goalkeeper. So much like Angus Gunn, uh, Angus Gunn yeah. He's a, a sort of a cheap price goalkeeper. and Yeah, 4.2. And it's not a terrible dub, double up if you are rotating your goalkeeper. There could be moments when you might want to go for Palace because I, I think they do have, I think it's the third best defence in, in the last like five weeks or something. So oh. it's not bad. No. Uh, Brighton, their next two fixtures are not pretty. Their next two fixtures are Liverpool at home and then Man United away. Um, but I think... The attacking options like Lucardia and Done. Yep. Are we going on Done? Yeah, we are. And Gross, Gross back on the scene, uh, could emerge in the three kind of fixtures that they have after those, which are Fulham away, Watford at home, and Burnley at home. Yeah, yeah. And I saw someone in our league has uh, got Lucardia. And I That's crazy. Kind of looked More at that idiot. and thought, whoa. <laughs> Uh, and Done, I really like the look of because he's just so damn cheap. And I th- I just think he looks like a really good player. Uh, Gross is probably a little bit too expensive. I think he's sort of in the six range, yeah. isn't he? But yeah, th- I'd definitely keep an eye on those. Um, it's just, it's, they're they're a low scoring team. That's, that's the shame about yeah. Brighton. They don't really score enough to justify it. And Glenn Murray's hype seems to have dissipated a little bit yeah, as well. Yeah, you're definitely not getting Murray in at this point, no. are you? He's not even starting games most of the time as well now. Well, yeah, it does seem like the the transition to guys like Andone, who work a little bit harder, is <laughs> beginning to happen, which yeah. you never know. That could actually bear fruit for Brighton, and it could be, could be the case that they start scoring more goals because they're a more athletic team overall. Mm. And finally, for this bit, Cardiff... I still really rate Cardiff as a team for super cheap midfield and defensive options. Oh, absolutely. Um, Camarasa, who's 4.6, has had two goals and an assist in the, the last five Premier League games. And it's like, for, four point, for a 4.6 fifth midfielder who's getting two goals and an assist over Christmas... Like, I'm not even mad. Yeah, yeah, get him in. Why am I sitting around with Patterson at 5.2? <laughs> Maybe even 5.1 now, when I could save myself all this money for this lad. Yeah, he has to be one of the best budget option midfielders out there because he's a he is an attacking midfielder by trade as well. Uh, I, I still really like the look of Bamba. And I honestly think... Etheridge too, actually. Like, he makes Apart so many freaking... the Asian Cup. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> he... Wait, no, he hasn't. Has he not? He hasn't, no. Um, He's not going at all? No, this is a whole thing. Like, he said that he... Oh, I thought he was going. No, he was supposed to be, but he said that he'd rather stay and play for his Premier League team. So So he's not going at all? No, he's not going at all. Oh, because I was like, I don't understand why everyone's buying him. Yeah. (laughs) He's going to be off. Yeah, no, he's he's staying. Um, It was a big big deal, but... Yeah. But I do think those defensive options are good, and I do think they are the kind of team that in a lot of the games coming up, like they, they certainly stand a chance to keep clean sheets and get some wins because we've seen a different side to them in the last couple of months. They've they've really shown that they are capable of competing with Premier League teams. Uh, and then the three teams we haven't mentioned, Huddersfield, Newcastle and Fulham, all have like vile fixtures. Just don't touch them. Yeah, Fulham are in the unique situation of not only are they still conceding loads of goals, 
but they stopped scoring the goals that they were scoring prior yeah. to the sacking of, of Matey Boys. So Mitrovic missed a penalty as well in the FA Cup yeah, game. Which is Literally great, isn't on, it? Took a penalty, missed it. Yeah, came on to take the penalty. It was just great after all of the Kamara drama yeah, the week before. Yeah, <laughs> I'd forgotten about that. So, uh, oh, yeah, tough times for them. I, I'm sad about Huddersfield, though, because I did think there'd be a chance for them to get some clean sheets, but they just look... They just look gone mentally. And Newcastle, like... Uh, they're so low scoring, it's ridiculous. I've got some real-life transfer news for you, Dan. Oh, have you? Yeah. I bet this is going to be really exciting. Lots of players that we definitely want in our fantasy teams. Well, maybe you'd want <laughs> Nasri, who's gone to West Ham. He's 5.5 and a midfielder. That would be nice, He is 5.5 and a midfielder. And he used to be a fantastic player... I this has trap written all over it though. <laughs> it's so nasty. Like, and it's such a West Ham move. Like just picking up these ex freaking great players, but like oh, like Zabaleta. Yeah, exactly. And like, uh, I guess you could even call Jack Wilshire that to some degree. Who was the one they had last year? And I was like, oh, is this man related to this really famous footballer? And you were like, it is that famous. Footballer. <laughs> I don't remember who that was, but I can't remember who it was. But it was someone like someone big who they had just for the season last year. Yeah. Oh god, that's funny. But I'm not going to be able to remember it. No, I can't remember either. Yeah, um, Nasri could be interesting. I, I would like to to watch him play. I think he played 58 minutes in the FA Cup. Um, and one thing to note is that West Ham actually kept a clean sheet in the FA Cup game. Wow. They won 2-0. With Adrian. So, yeah, Adrian. That's the thing. It wasn't even my, my freaking goalkeeper in there. So I was like, oh, that's annoying. Wow. That is impressive. Yeah, that he's probably, out of all of these, he's the one that it's worth paying attention to because mm-hmm. he's obviously a talented player. And West Ham do have a number of good attackers now. So who knows? Um, at Bournemouth, uh, Solanke has gone there. God knows why. Like, they don't already have 10 forwards. Yeah, 19 million as well, which seems like a lot of money for a guy who's played, like, not gonna play. zero minutes. Also, to add to that, he was meant to be going on loan to Palace, wasn't he? But they ended up pulling out of the deal because he wasn't fit. And I, I looked up today, like, what, what the deal was with him. Apparently, he's not expected to play until February. Yeah, that's true. Also, Klein has gone to uh, Bournemouth on a the re- for the rest of the season on loan. Yeah, so that's good for him, isn't it? Because I'd forgotten he existed. Um, who else have we got? Punchin has gone to Huddersfield on loan for the rest of the season. Four point two mid. Now, if he's starting at four point two, but he's at Huddersfield. <laughs> yeah, but it's four point two. Yeah, it's guaranteed two points every uh, week, isn't it? Well, yeah. I'd hope so. Until he gets sent off. Uh, in related uh, Palace news, Serloth has gone gone, uh, gone international yep. for the rest of the season. So rest in peace him. And finally, in some absolutely insane news, after fully transferring to Wolves at the start of the season, Benekofobe has now been sold to Stoke after his loan spell at Stoke. It would Why? have been crazier if he was Nobody sold to. Knows. It would have been crazier if he was sold to a team other than Stoke. <laughs> like sold to Aston Villa. Yeah. <laughs> After a loan spell at Stoke. And then Abraham oh, like goes to. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen Abraham turn down the the Wolves' offer? 
I, so I haven't been up to date with any of this because I found it really hard to follow the transfer news for some reason. Like, there seems to be seems to be a real lack of actually done deals so far. I would have loved for him to get a move to a decent Premier League team because mm. I feel like he could have been a really good option. But well, maybe he will at the start of the season. Yeah, exactly. And I also don't want him to sign for Wolves because it would possibly put Jimenez in, in jeopardy. Well, exactly. <laughs> so exactly. I, I have kind of mixed emotions based on that. But other than that, we've had no real big movers so far. And it, I, to be honest, I don't think we're going to get any movers that make sense for like FPL options. Like all the guys that are being talked about, like Arsenal are linked with a bunch of guys from, or a guy who's spent his last year in China and another I guy you were going to say in prison. And, well, that would have been not Similar. quite the Arsenal way, but yeah. That's the January transfer window so far. How exciting. And now I guess we look ahead to, Let's. to the, following, the following week. And I'm really excited because I do love the FA Cup, but it felt really weird having a weekend without like actual points games, you know? Uh, so we have an early kickoff, 12.30. It's West Ham against Arsenal. I think I'm going to captain Aubameyang. I'm not even going to think about it too much. I'm going to break rule number one of the Dynalysis podcast. For the second time this season. For the second time this season, I'm going to captain Aubameyang. When did I do it last time? Did it work you out? You captain Salah. No, you captain Salah uh, in the 12.30 and it didn't work out. <sighs> it wasn't the Bournemouth game. It was something else. Yeah, I definitely did. I didn't captain him for Bournemouth. Um that sucks then, but I'm going to do it again because, as I said earlier, I think West Ham, I, I mean, I'll wait until the end of the week because I want to find out if Balbuena is going to be back. If Balbuena is going to be back, I'll probably go with Salah, but for this one, I think this has got goals written all over it. We've got two defences who can't really defend. We've got elite strikers at Arsenal in Aubameyang and Lacazette, and we've got Arnautovic and Anderson and... Maybe even Nasri gets a, a start against his old club. I, I don't anticipate it's going to happen, but I certainly think he'll come off the bench for it. So I think this is a really, really exciting looking game. Maybe maybe I'll second guess myself by the end of the week, but I, I do like Aubameyang as a captain option here. Um, three o'clocks. We've got Brighton versus Liverpool, Burnley versus Fulham, Cardiff versus Huddersfield, Palace versus Watford, Leicester versus Southampton. I don't know how I feel about Liverpool away at Brighton. Yeah, this is literally the reason I changed it from Salah to Aubameyang is mm. I'm just, I'm not sure. Um, and I think the big factor to me, and it's kind of the same logic I'm using for wanting Aubameyang is Brighton have Dunk and Duffy back. Yeah. And the fact that they have both of those defenders playing in a game together against a big team, I think that and it's Brighton at home, which is yeah. the place where they defend so well. Like, I do think Liverpool will win this game. I don't think it will be too much hard work for them, but I just don't see Salah scoring more than one goal here. Mm. I could be very wrong, and I I don't know, come three o'clock on, on Saturday, I'll probably be really depressed when Aubameyang has been sent off or something. But, <laughs> but I, I just kind of fancy... Like, if you gave me these fixtures on paper... And they were all at the same time. I'd probably go for Aubameyang and that's how I'm looking at mm-hmm. it. Uh, but yeah, it, it could be a little bit tough for them. But that said, Liverpool, you know, they've shown when they've played the, the lesser teams this season, 
they've mostly been quite ruthless and particularly in the last um the last sort of two months or so they've they seem to have stepped up a gear uh burnley mm. fulham is one that looks like uh, it's going to be a slog to get through for ho- whoever has to watch that um but you've got probably a good clean sheet potential here for burnley i just i don't think anyone's going there yet um yeah in terms of fpl options cardiff huddersfield oh boy if i had if i had bamba i'd be playing him, him. <laughs> You know what? I might be. <laughs> At least it wouldn't be a 12.30 kickoff. Yeah, this is a good opportunity for Cardiff. Um, Huddersfield, I think they've lost eight in a row. They're not wow. not doing good. <laughs> and it just looks like they have no... You know, when they're so down in the dumps, they have no hope whatsoever anymore. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'd be a little bit worried about them. But Cardiff, yeah, they should be, should be good for this. But who knows? It's a Premier League. It might throw up a surprise. Palace versus Watford, I think this is the one, to me, this and the other game, Leicester-Southampton, both look quite evenly matched. Um, Proper, like, mid-table-ish teams. Uh, I guess you can't so much say that with Southampton because they're right down the bottom, but they've been playing more like a mid-table team recently. Um, You're playing both uh, Wan-Bissaka and your your De La Feu boy yeah I think I'm gonna have to yeah what do you think is gonna happen here though because I, I'm really hoping <laughs> I really don't know I heard somewhere and you know I, I'm too lazy because it's been you know we had so much football and I couldn't be bothered to like bring up all the stats but I did hear somewhere that Watford have a much better away record than they do at home yeah and that I makes think me think you yes said that to me yeah that makes me think okay it's Pereira time let's play him and mm. The one thing I know about Palace is while they have been going on a good little run right when they kind of needed to because they were slipping down into that that desolate land. Yeah, exactly. Uh, They still haven't been scoring a lot, but knowing Watford, they concede every game. Like, they're probably going to concede here. I'll play for Menu anyway. It'll be fine. (laughs) But yeah, I do fancy Watford to win. And Leicester Southampton, really, really fancy Southampton for this. Feel yeah. like it's a great opportunity for them, um, and I really feel feel like um, it's Redmond's time to shine. I'm gonna maybe I'll captain captain him. Maybe I'll go That'd totally crazy. crazy. Yeah, I'm not gonna captain him because who would? But but yeah, Leicester have shown themselves to struggle a lot with the sort of lesser teams in the league this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chelsea face Newcastle. That's the late kickoff, and I suspect there'll be a number of people looking at Hazard as a captain. A number yeah, of people. To me, also he seems ignore. like the. Op- to him, he seems like the obvious choice. Yeah. He, but <laughs> this is the thing. Like, whenever Hazard is the obvious choice, it becomes the three-point special. Well... But, uh, I don't know. It's just, I just worry so much about about how much Chelsea have been creating. That's kind of the, the biggest problem I have with them at the moment. Like, they had a 0.99 XG against Southampton. Whereas, comparatively, Arsenal had 4.57 XG against Fulham. I know they're playing different teams, and Fulham are known for being a a bit more defensively porous, but you'd expect Chelsea to do a bit better than that against Southampton. You would say that's probably, of the lot, the best fixture on paper for any of these top teams. Yeah. Uh, Then moving on to the Sunday, we have Everton versus Bournemouth at 2.15, which looks like a really entertaining game, actually. I'd be very keen to play a Bournemouth asset if I had any. In fact, I'm a little bit annoyed that I got rid of Brooks uh, last week or the week before because I would have loved to have played him here. 
Everton, I mean, what, what do you feel about this one? I, I guess you're... Are you keeping Dean for this week or are you getting rid yeah, of him? Yeah, probably for this week. I'll keep him. I'm playing him for this week. I guess it's not... It's not a bad idea considering... I'm playing him because of Bournemouth's defence. Exactly, not yeah. Not because... Not because of... Of Bournemouth's attack. Yeah. Yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah, this looks like an entertaining one, but I expect it to just be a goal fest and who knows who, who wins it. But if you have assets from either team, absolutely, you're going to be playing them, aren't you? Um, yeah. Any shouts for like a renegade sort of like Richarlison captain if you own him? No, definitely obviously, not. Yeah. No. I, I wouldn't go I'd there I'd maybe either. go for like a Fraser. Like I'd stick my vice on Fraser. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just the vice though. No, nothing too serious. Mm. And then the late kickoff is Spurs against Man United at 4.30. And yeah, this, this should be a banger of a match. I actually reckon Man United are going to win this. Um, I I think it's going to be a lot tighter than the one earlier in the season. I think Spurs won 3-1. It wasn't really that cut and dry over the course of the game. I think Man United had very, very good chances they missed in the first half. But Man United, we're seeing a different team now. I think neither of these teams are particularly good at defending. It's probably going to end up being a, a fairly high-scoring game considering the the sort of uh, magnitude of the game. Do you, would, you, would you be risking, like, say, if you had a, a Kane or a Pogboris, you wouldn't captain in this game, would you? No, it's too risky. You yeah. just don't know which way it's going to swing, I yeah. think. Yeah, and who knows? It, it could end up being a shot clean sheet for Man United or something. And then on Monday, we have one last game, and this is what really throws the weekend off and ruins it. We have a Monday game. If I pick Aubameyang as captain and it's 12.30 on a Saturday and I have to wait all the way through till freaking 10 o'clock on a Monday to find out or to know for sure if Sterling has outscored him, I'm going to be so mad. Yeah. But I'm going to have to do it because even if Aubameyang does smash it, Sterling still might do better. But yeah, this, this looks like an interesting one. I think, as I said earlier, Man City are looking... Looking like they're getting back to their best. They won, what, 7-8-0 the other day? 7-0. Uh, and you know, I was going to put... Because Spurs won 7-0, I thought... Put oh, on 7-0. I might put 7-0 on Man City. Didn't do it. Yeah. Didn't do it. It's always a way, isn't it? But, yeah, I feel like they're coming back into form. They're getting their players back who they, they missed from injury. Uh, Fernandinho mm. was the big one over, over Christmas, wasn't he? And, oh, my God, we didn't speak about it. But Man City, the Man City-Liverpool game was incredible and both teams were really, really good. It could have gone either way. I, I think a lot of people were saying City deserved it and I can see why you'd say that. But at the same time, Liverpool had great chances to score and were a little bit unlucky. But City, Fernandinho and Bernardo Silva were freaking mental. Like, I don't know what drugs they were on, but they were some good drugs. Silva does like a street fighter flying kick, like foot above his head while like five foot off the ground just to clear like a goal kick or something and it was just it was so relentless and after seeing that like I could not be more confident in in City's ability to go on a real like run of putting teams to the sword now and that does that does make me think especially it being a home game does make me second guess this a little bit and I might end up switching to uh Raheem Sterling captain before the end of the week but (sighs) yeah I certainly think if you own a City player we spoke about earlier them being differentials as well 
I think yeah. the, the one thing that makes me comfortable to Captain Aubameyang instead is that I know even just owning Sterling and David Silva is a differential for me anyway. So that's kind of the, the way I'm looking at it now. Like any points that they get are points that other people aren't getting. Yeah. But yeah, an interesting um, a little matchup for them. And that's it. That's game week 22 for you. Then we're, uh, yeah, we're chilling for a week. Do you want to do a little clean sheet cup? Oh, yes. <laughs> I completely forgot we even do that. It's been so long. I can give you a little update of the Christmas period. I'd love to know. You scored no points. I knew it. I knew it was going to be none. I scored one point. Oh. We are now tied. Are you kidding at me? At six points apiece. I swear I was like miles ahead at one point. <laughs> yeah, but I've got six. I've got three points in the last six game weeks. And I assume I've got like one. You've got none. I've got none, none in the last six. The last time you got points was game week 30. Jesus Christ. That's so... really bad. Yep. Huh. Maybe it isn't because I didn't have some that I was doing bad. No. So you can go first this week. Okay. Uh, I reckon... Uh, you know what? This is really hard. Okay. Because I know who I'm picking. So I'll be annoyed if you pick them. Uh, I'm going to go for Cardiff. Oh, thank God. Okay. Oh, okay. I thought they were going to be your ones. No. I assume you're saying Chelsea. Nope. Uh, Burnley? Yep. You're, you're back in Pope? Yep. Uh, of course or you Heaton. are. I'm backing or literally Heaton. anybody. Should, oh, man. It's so annoying. Like, it should be Pope if we're looking at how Pope was playing when he got injured. But yeah. now you have this weird political situation where Heaton came back in and he basically helped them win a game and kept their first clean sheet in for freaking ever so yeah. really really Heaton should get the nod I don't know I don't think Heaton will be mad though if Pope goes in yeah. instead of him and Heaton gets the bench yeah I don't know yeah I don't know depends on the man's character but I guess he knows like he's sort of an older Old. player and, and Pope is the, the young upstart the young hot thang so yeah <laughs> oh Okay, so I guess we'll be we'll be back with another podcast next week. Probably a little bit earlier than it's this true. one. Um, well, yeah, or we could wait till Tuesday. I can't record Monday, so yeah, it's gonna be the Sunday or Tuesday. I've got to admit, I haven't liked the midweek thing. It's it's been, I don't, I don't feel quite as in the zone. I don't feel quite as enthused about it. But I think that's also because we haven't we haven't had a game week. Seen just, a football. Yeah, and I barely watched any of the FA Cup as well. So. Oh, I watched so much of the FA Yeah. Cup. Well, it is usually one of my favourite weeks of the season, but I just got really drunk one night, so I missed a lot oh. of it. It was so bad. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, what we got to say, Nat? Say, say bye to the audience. Tell us what they can do, where they can find us. Sure. If you enjoyed this podcast, it would be so sweet if you uh, subscribed to it on whichever app you use and then you rated it and reviewed it. Uh, that would be really cool. We'd be really appreciative. Um, if you want to get in touch with us or ask us any questions or tell us anything about your life, you can follow us on Twitter at The Denalysis or you can email us at hello at thedenalysis.com. Nailed it. All right. Awesome. Well, anyway. Oh my God, we had an email. Are you kidding me? Oh, I was so sure we wouldn't. <laughs> out loud. Oh, no. oh, hold on. No, we've got to read it. 
Oh, Should we have our when... first ever email section at the end of the podcast? On uh, on the sixth of sixth um, of Jan, it's from Harry Economos. He says, "Hi Dan and Natalie, really enjoy the pod. Saddened you have been MIA over Christmas. Well, technically, Harry, we let you know that we weren't giving on. <laughs> I don't think we he, need a break. I don't think he means sometimes. it in a, a negative way, though. I think he's just like you know." I'd love some sweet pods, so I appreciate that. He says, thought you might appreciate slash understand the commitment seen in the pic attached. Sending love and peace from Perth, <laughs> Harry. So he... And it is some kind of He's musical gig, event. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, with a a, a a screenshot of his F, with, a, with his FDL team up at the the concert <laughs> making changes i'm surprised he's even got internet there like data must be FPL good in australia go home, spotted at dizzy rascal <laughs> that's <was> brilliant <laughs> shout out to you harry <laughs> so wait hold on a minute is it what it's it's i was thinking like oh this is harry doing his team it's not is it no it's, it's someone else. else if this is just some random person that's awesome what a load of yeah, craziness. I think that's what I think that's what he means. Yeah. Is that it was he saw someone else doing this. It looks Yeah, because spotted at Dizzy Rascal, like yeah. that's definitely not him it. like he saw someone it looking looks, at their team. It looks so perfect though. <laughs> like this that guy is, is really showing good. him. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Thanks so much, Harry. Thank you for emailing in. Um really appreciate it. And we're we're back now, mm. so it's all good. You don't have to worry yeah. anymore. And we'll be back every week for some time, yeah. So, cool. Ish, maybe. Yeah. Anyway, as always, remember to fantasy responsibly. No, mm. no like, crazy drunk transfers. No sketchy minus fours. Well, I assume everyone's dry jam, so... Oh, I yeah, of course. We'll be safe. Yeah, so you, we're probably good for that, because definitely no one's going to be drinking in January, because everyone's responsible adults. Good luck in Game Week 22. We shall see you guys next week. Yes.